0: All right. We say welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast and welcome back to Toby Rowland. Pretty a uh, pretty wild week and a big weekend coming up in Sooner Athletics. Toby, let's. You know, I, I hate to go back to Monday night. By the way, it's uh, we missed talking to you earlier this week, but traveling to Austin is is always unique, for because we never go during football. So I don't know. Is is yeah. it weird when you travel to Austin?
1: You know the two places that. Um that I go the least in the big 12 are Austin and Ames. Huh. Uh, Ames doesn't have a baseball, you know, Iowa state doesn't have a baseball team and we don't go to Austin for football. So yeah, it's a little, uh, uh, I wouldn't say weird because we've been down there several times for basketball and, and baseball at this point. But, um, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's special. Anytime those two schools get together, yep. I think in, in any sport and, The crazy thing about Monday night was, you know, those are two teams that at least for now are in the basement of the big 12 conference or near it. And I don't know that there was um, necessarily expectations that we were going to see one for the ages coming (laughs) out of there, you know, but at least I I think that's what we got. I mean, I think we got a finish that that's going to be remembered for a long time. And if you're a Texas fan, it's going to be, you know, that highlight's going to be replayed for, for a long time. If you're a Sooner fan, Uh, In a season full of tough losses, I think that was the toughest one because it looked like they had uh, done the opposite of everything that had happened to them this year. They were the team that rallied from a second-half deficit to play perfect down the stretch. In the last five minutes of that game, they were close to perfect, Doolittle and Mcgusty heel by Odoms and the blocks by Latin and the three by Woodard and they overcame the deficit and they had it won it was over and then bam bam in the final 10 seconds it it got away from them and that was as stunned as I think I've personally seen a basketball team after a game
0: being someone who listens to about every single interview and uh, call that you have Toby I'd have to say that probably would have to rank up there with one of the more challenging interviews you had to do with the coach. Because, as you even said, you know, afterwards, I don't really know what to say, but except, you know, it's got to be a, a heartbreaker. And, you know, Lon Kruger's all class. He's seen the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. But you could even kind of sense in his tone, Toby, that was a that was a gut punch. So, with that said... Do you think this team would have liked to have been back on the court sooner? When you play Big Monday, you're not going to play during the week, so you're off until Saturday. But is that the kind of feel that that, that taste you want to get out of your mouth asap, or was it maybe good for them to have some time to get back to the court and really reevaluate what went wrong down the stretch there?
1: I think it was good to have some time. You know, I don't think there's a lot of evaluation that needs to go into what went wrong. They, they missed two free throws. That, yeah. Other than that, they really handled everything perfectly. They didn't turn the ball over. They got the ball in bounds. They played great defense. They hit big shots. If you hit your free throws at the end of the game, you win. And they missed. They missed three free throws. But the the two by Cam will be what was remembered. There was a miss by uh, Kadim on the possession before that kind of left the door open too. So um, I think he immediately after the game and even this week, I think he praised his team. Uh, for showing you know, on the road again to the second straight time on the road, the ability to come from behind in a hostile atmosphere and make clutch plays late in a game. And they did that with the exception of of the free throws. And so I think that, you know, I talked on, on my radio show this week, there, um, there was kind of a divide, I think, on social media after that game between people who were disappointed, and people who were excited about the future because of the way that Christian Doolittle played and Cam Esky played. And um, I was trying to say, listen, you don't have to be one or the other. I, I think it's perfectly reasonable. In fact, I think it's the correct view, certainly my view, that you can be disappointed in how this season has gone and at the same time extremely excited about what you've seen from the youngsters who are going to be around this program for another two, three years. And, um, you know, Christian Doolittle was amazing. I, I didn't know he had that in him. I, I knew he could rebound and, and score. You know, maybe he was capable of getting to 12, maybe 15 points, but he, he could rebound, and he was a smart basketball player and had a lot of a variety of skills. I didn't know he was capable of going for 30. <laughs> um, and he was awesome. I'm not sure he hit the rim on any of his shots. He was so yeah. pure the other night. So. I think they needed the week, though, to kind of recover, because you get home in the middle of the night, Monday night, and you kind of walk around stunned for a couple of days saying, I can't believe that one got away. And so this has probably been a good week.
0: You dropped a great stat on Spotlight this week that this is, what, only the second meeting between Florida and Oklahoma. And the last time these two teams played, Lon Krueger was the coach of Florida and got the win. So hypothetically, Toby, he could end up being undefeated in this series with a win on Saturday.
1: That's right. Yeah. Uh, 1995, (laughs) Oklahoma and Florida met in the uh, all college classic in uh, Florida won that game in overtime in Oklahoma City. And so uh, that's the only meeting between these two schools, the two schools that Lon Kruger has taken to the final four. And with a win on Saturday for Oklahoma, Kruger could even the series of Florida game of these and own both victories, which would be uh, a, a cool twist. But I like this big 12 sec challenge this is the fourth year of it i love the fact that they've moved it where they have on the schedule amen um i think it's a one it's a great break in the middle of conference play just to kind of uh take a breath from seeing the same teams over and over and and you get to see uh some new uniforms and a little blood but also You know, if you once they moved it out of November and December, I think it was able to get a bigger spotlight than it ever could when college football's still going on. Agreed. And if you've seen any of the publicity from ESPN this week, I mean, they're they're giving this thing a lot of lot of charge, and they're going to be all over it on Saturday. And um, I think it's fun. And they do it in one day, which allows you to kind of sit down if you're at home all day and keep score as the day goes along. All right, Big Twelve's up three to two or whatever, and you can root for all the Big Twelve teams. So. I think it's a great thing. Um, you know, the only, only suggestion I might have is I would love to see it kind of rotate. I, I don't know that this is realistic, but it would be fun to for all the conferences to get together, all the power fives, and say, all right, we're going to do this, but we're going to rotate conferences every year so that maybe next year it's it's Big Ten and maybe next year it's ACC and then, and then you got a Pac-12 thing. Because I think it's really neat for fans and for the players and for everybody to get to see different schools different teams different programs travel as was the case last year we went to baton rouge to new places you don't normally get to go so uh it's pretty neat it, this will be a good one i mean the suitors have their work cut out for them florida's really good top 25 team they hit 19 three-pointers against lsu on uh wednesday night and uh it, it, they get up and down the floor so it'll be a high scoring game this will be fun
0: so with that said, you're like me then. You're on board with this. I dig it. And it kind of has a tournament feel to it as well. Not just with a big-time opponent, Toby, but as you mentioned, it's all in one day. Uh, it's fun, man. I'm I'm glad we do this. I'm glad we do this in women's basketball. I'm glad we do it on the men's side. I hope it's kind of a model that's followed from, uh, from heretofore and consistent. And maybe, as you mentioned, kind of move around a little bit. Maybe get other conferences involved. But, you know, I, I, I know this isn't really a conversation we're having this year. But I also think it it helps in certain areas for strength of schedule, and I say that because the Big Twelve is powerful in itself. But if you're able to throw in, say, a win over Florida, it just helps your tournament resume in general.
1: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think it did that for Oklahoma last year with with the LSU game. Um, so I'm I'm thumbs up. I think there, you know, there's been kind of a partnership that has grown between these two conferences the last several years. Not just here, but you know, the Sugar Bowl was a Big 12 SEC collaboration and we've seen these two conferences work together and and I think that that's uh would be cool if they did something like this in football. Oh yeah, absolutely. Every year you had uh, a Big 12 SEC matchup on a on a Saturday uh or whatever conference maybe the Pac 12. Yeah. Um I know that would be virtually impossible because they schedule so far in advance. We'd have to if we announced today, we'd have to say we're going to start it in 2030 <laughs> in uh, college football. But uh, more realistically, in basketball, how about baseball, Chris? I, really I kind cool. of preached for this after you know last postseason when we saw that the you know the SEC put 100 schools in the NCAA tournament and and the Big 12 put three teams in the College World Series and there's all this talk that the RPI is kind of overly weighted toward the SEC and the ACC. I think it would behoove the Big 12 to see if they can get something like this cooked up for baseball. Agreed. Uh, The SEC would be great, or the ACC. Um, I I think those would be the best two options because it does seem like the power has shifted to the East Coast in college baseball better than the West Coast. But one weekend where each Big 12 school plays a three-game series against an SEC school. That would be awesome. And strength of schedule-wise would be fantastic. So hope hopefully they can get that going. I know they kind of have a miniature version of that now down at Minute Maid Park in Houston where they invite in a couple of teams from each conference to play a little uh, round-robin event. But I'd love to see it be a conference-wide thing and i think it would would certainly help all the big 12 schools
0: you know uh, and by the way that tip time on saturday for the oklahoma florida game is set for one o'clock and you can listen to toby of course on the sooner radio network that's in oklahoma city on 1077 the franchise tune in radio app for those of you out of town if you need the pretty pictures it's on espn and toby i only mentioned the tv side for this brent musburger's next yeah. to last broadcast with the SPN you shared a pretty cool story on uh, Twitter about sitting next to him during the memorable Kansas game last year so kind of a cool moment there I think for uh, for true fans of uh, sports broadcasting
1: listen we always appreciate and love it when people um, choose the radio over the television <laughs> you know you turn the sound down and you turn us up or or you're stuck in your car for whatever reason thank you so much for listening. But if there was ever a day in which I would encourage you that if you possibly can watch the television broadcast, this would be the day because um, it's gonna—it's historic, you know. I mean, it'll be the last game ever that Musburger and Vital work together. Oh wow! And it'll be the next to last game that Musburger calls, you know. And the fact that it's here and it's an OU game is incredible and certainly you know there was a lot of news about uh, his call of the sugar bowl and uh, so for him to spend you know a couple of his last broadcasts with the university of oklahoma i think is neat. he's certainly one of a very few handful of voices uh who in our generation or any not just in our generation that a period in sports broadcasting history who uh make an event seem larger than life and uh when he says you're looking live, and, and you hear his voice, you're like, this is a big deal. Brent Musburger's at my game. felt the same about Keith Jackson and and just a few. I mean there's not a lot that have been able to accomplish that. and he's one of them and uh, yeah we, we were we've been you know next to each other on press row together on several occasions in the last six years um I don't I don't think we've ever sat closer than last year at Kansas. The seating at Kansas, as you know, Chris, uh, you're uh, when you're at radio you're literally right next to the television yep. people to the point where i worry at times about being too loud because <laughs> we're right next to the tv people at the big 12 tournament there'll be you know some separation between us or at lsu last year he called that game with vital and there was some separation between us but at kansas you're literally right next to each other and uh so he him and vital called that triple overtime game last year and Uh, I think when it was over, we were all, as you watched on television, the players and everybody, the broadcasters, were just trying to find words, proper words for what you had just seen. And uh, I remember uh, tossing to a commercial break and taking it off my headset, and I looked to my right, and there's Brent, and he takes off his headset, and he said, young man, you'll never see one better than that. (laughs) And uh, I thought, you know, one, awesome that – i got to call that game and two double awesome that i got to sit next to brent muskberger <laughs> who also provided the the soundtrack for that game so uh you know I'll, I'll miss hearing his voice i know he's controversial not everybody likes him and that's fine you know i don't always agree with what he has to say but not having his voice around will be uh a little sad you know vince scully's retired and we love- dick enberg is retired and- Verdon Lundquist is retired, and a lot of these voices that you and I are, are used to hearing uh, around sports are stepping aside, and that's a little bit sad, so listen, if you got a chance Saturday, turn on the television and, and check out Brent.
0: Hey, final thought, and I'll let you run. As we tape this, we are 14 days away from the start of the softball season when we, when we open up Against Auburn, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Which means that Auburn? Auburn. That's right. The opening. I didn't
1: know that. Yeah. How about
0: that? I didn't you know, I've got to ask Carl. I kind of thought our first game was against BYU, and I feel like something changed, but maybe it didn't, I'm just losing my mind. Um but that means we're twenty two days away from baseball. And I know it'll be a while before you kind of jump into the baseball season with the basketball responsibilities, but Toby, everything I'm hearing and everything I'm seeing on your Twitter feed is kind of excited about not just this team, but also specifically what a Kyler Murray's bringing to the roster.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's early. They're just starting uh, team practices, I think, on uh, Friday of this week. They've had some individual workouts and everything. But when I've had the opportunity to ask some of the guys over there, who's impressed you so far, Kyler Murray is the first name off everybody's lips. Mm. And that probably shouldn't be surprising because he was a phenomenal baseball player in high school had a chance to go to the draft and all that kind of stuff and we thought if he indeed ended up playing baseball here at OU that he would be a guy that had a chance to make an immediate impact and it looks like that's going to be the case it's speed his speed is you know legit uh as seen on the football field but he can hit he's got a good glove I think there's you know he's a kind of a middle infielder by trade but there's a chance maybe that he ends up in center field with Oklahoma um I'm not exactly sure, but they're. I think they're going to find a place, you know, for him because he is a seriously talented young man. And as far as how good this team's going to be, I, I don't know. I, I think that you know they've missed the tournament now uh, a few years in a row, and there is a um, real sense of optimism i think with the last couple of signing classes and what we saw out of the youngsters last year that maybe this has a chance to be uh their bounce back season and and that could be um uh optimistic thinking maybe it is i I don't know but I, i i feel like we saw some big time play out of youngsters last year and they have added um, some talent as well, both from uh, high school and the junior college ranks this year, that gives them a chance to have a special season. I think it all comes down to the arms for me. I think we know Jake Irvin and Dylan Grove are good and probably going to be a part of the rotation. But what else? You know, what else is there? We just we're, we're going to have to, you know, JB uh, Olson on the back end of the bullpen was very good last year. Can he duplicate that? What about some of these new arms that they're bringing in? Are they ready to help them right away? They got the junior college player of the year in Briley Ware on this team who had a triple crown last year, won the triple crown in JUCO last year for home runs, RBIs, and and batting average, so he's got a chance to help them. A bunch of uh, homegrown talent from the state of Oklahoma. Brandon Zaragoza is a a freshman from Westmore that might be able to work his way into the starting lineup right away in the middle infield positions. So there's a lot to be optimistic about three weeks away from uh, heading out to Long Beach, California. They're going to open the season with a tough series as well against Long Beach State.
0: We'll be talking much more about that in signing day, Toby. Are you ready for next Wednesday? Signing day next week. I'm ready. It's going to be fun. It'll be a fun year. (laughs) Can't wait, buddy. Thanks, Toby. We'll talk to you next week. All right, see you, Chris. All right, see you. 3.06 to go. Little drives right. Baseline. Curls back. Goes back. Baseline again. Reverse layup. And she's fouled. What a nice looking move by Peyton Little. Went baseline. Then curled back out towards the wing and then decided to go back baseline. And that little fake was just enough to get some space and put up a nice reverse layup and the foul on Carlton. So straight from Toby Rowland, let's focus on the star from last night's women's basketball win. She has won Peyton Little who, I think it's fair to say, had struggled through most of the game, but then caught fire in the fourth quarter. All 16 of her points came in the fourth quarter. When the Sooners win, it's usually because Peyton Little has scored in double figures, 12-3 and three this year when that happens. And we caught up with Stu earlier for the Sooner Sports Podcast and just started talking about how complete this Oklahoma Sooner basketball team appears to be.
2: Oh, absolutely. You know, um we kind of been all year, you know, we've, we have so many players who can step up at any given moment, and, uh, you know, that's tough, um, tougher teams for opponents to defend when you when you don't know who's going to step up and make, make big plays for you, so it's special to have on our team. It, it
0: seems as if this team has really clicked over the last couple of weeks. Can you put your finger on anything that's really brought this team together? Uh, again, I know it was a tough loss at Texas, but... If you look at the stats, if you look at the numbers, you guys are right there with three minutes to go in the game. Peyton, has there been anything that's kind of clicked for this team the last few weeks?
2: Um, you know, I think just um, you know, I think it's hard with practice. You know, us, you know, just continuing to build build our connection and um, continuing to you know push each other every day and get better. And uh, you know, I think um, I, I think just just that's really what it is. You know, and and everybody, you know, knowing their roles and. Um, You know, you want to play your best basketball come, you know, February and March. And so, I mean, um, we're excited about it. It was a good win last night, and we're looking forward to to the Baylor Bears Sunday.
0: You know, it's funny. uh, I I shouldn't say it's funny. It's interesting to kind of look at the way that you all have been challenged this year beyond just basketball, Peyton. There has been so much emotional, so much real-world, almost adulting, that's taken place away from the court uh, I brought this up with Maddie last week. It's almost—I would imagine—that when you get to the court and when you practice as a team, there's got to be a certain kind of therapeutic sense to it, right?
2: Right. You know, I mean, we've 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 gone through some some pretty tough times um, this team, and I think it's just grown grown us, you know, more and more. And you know, I think when you play for something um, something bigger, bigger than basketball, um, it's you know, it it makes you makes you perform. It makes you you know be good when you're when you're not worried about um, yourself or um, you know any any of those little things that can get in the way and distract you. You're worried about you know, obviously we're playing for TT, playing for her family, and uh, it it's been it's been special and it's been been an honor to um, to try and you know play in a way that I would honor them.
0: Peyton, can you kind of uh, take us through what's going on in the huddle and what's going on, kind of as a team, whenever you have a, a commanding lead for a majority of the game, and then Iowa State has cut it to a one-possession game late in the third quarter? Is there any panic? How do you guys uh, kind of regroup and then pull away?
2: No, no panic at all. Um, I think that comes with you know the seniors and um, it's just having experience. You know, we've been in been in those type of games, and uh, you know, it's it's it helps you when you have been in those those sort of situations because you know you've you've been on the other side of it where it hasn't worked in your favor. So um, and you know how to you know you know how to handle that. And so I think obviously experiences help that. So no no panic at all. Just you know I mean we any any game we feel like obviously every game we step on the court we we think we're gonna win. But um, even even when you're I just lost my train of thought, but even when you, even when you're, um, you know, when you're when you're getting the other teams coming back and and there's no panic
0: at all with us. It's just calm. I understand. Uh, Peyton Little's in the house. I know you and uh, Coach Cole kind of joked coming out of the tunnel, and you mentioned it in your post-game <laughs> comments about how you needed to get some of those points for yourself because everyone was scoring. Uh, I, I know you're a team-oriented person, so you're not a very selfish right. person at all. But when you get cooking like that, is it hard not to want the basketball more?
2: Maybe, maybe a little more down the stretch, um, especially after I hit a few. Um, I don't, I don't know. I just decided to show up to the party late. We were, we were laughing about it because, yeah, like I said in post game, I everybody else was scoring. Coach was like, "You looked like a little five year old. Like, oh no, like let me, let me score. Don't leave me out." Like, <laughs> I was like, you know, I, I guess better late than never, huh? I know
0: this. I'm trying to think of the best way to, to phrase this because I don't want anyone to take it the wrong way. But it doesn't really appear like you guys let too much get to you when you're on the court. In other words, that's not to say you don't care. That's not to say you're not overly passionate. But Peyton, from the way that you handle things and the way that Gabby and Maddie, obviously very passionate and very energetic and you get fired up. But it's not like you allow any adversity get to you guys too much when you're on the court. How does that that happen? Is that something that's just been ingrained from hard work or is it just more Um, your guys' personalities?
2: No, you know, honestly, we we've talked about it a lot this year. Um, you know, there's a there's there's a fine line where you, you can care you, we we care a lot. You know, we're we're good kids. We're, you know, we love basketball. We lo- we love playing, we love competing, and sometimes, you know, you can care too much. And you know, then the, there's, you know, there's the other side of it where you just you maybe don't want to care as much. So you kind of want to be like right in the middle of it, you know what right, I'm saying? Right. You know, you don't want to care you know, so much that you can't even can't even play. You're just wringing your hands all the time. Um, but then there's that other part where you know you just you just kind of want to be right in the middle of it, if that makes sense. No,
0: and, and you want to have fun, and that's the right, thing absolutely. that I that's the thing that I've noticed. I I got to go with you guys to Lawrence, and I was there with you in Ames, and obviously I think Ames was a pretty challenging trip because you know having gotten back from Morgantown, and then obviously the news with with TT, I think that was a challenge for everyone. But what what I noticed is, you you guys still have fun. Even whenever it was a challenge near the end of the first half in that game, you still had fun. And I think, you know, Peyton, as examples that you set for a younger generation, as people who want to go out there and do more than just basketball, that's a pretty good tone to set, isn't it? That it's not it's a grind, but when you're out there and you're working your craft and you're playing, it's fun for you guys.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, we talk about every day that, you know, you want to play with joy. We want to play um, in a way – that when people leave our arena, that they wanna they wanna be better versions of themselves, and, you know when they wake up. So it's it's all about um, you know loving what you do and um, and showing that when you play on the court, it's, that's one, that's the most important thing.
0: All sixteen of your points came in the fourth quarter. So how did you not allow yourself to get frustrated through the first three with your shot, Peyton?
2: You know, I I just I just kept kept shooting, kept kept playing. Um, I mean, I, I kind of just really, I stopped thinking about it. Like like I said, I kind of stopped, you know, worrying, oh, well, uh, you know, if whatever happens, happens. I'm, I'm going to try to, you know, do whatever I can for my team. If it's not scoring, I'm going to try to help us on the defensive end. Um, and so I, I guess when when that first shot went in, um, you know, anytime you see you see the see one go in, um, it can, you know, obviously help a few more go in. And I guess that's what Kind of happened last
0: night. <laughs> yeah, that mindset shoot or shoot, right? There's no way Peyton oh. Little's not going to stop shooting, right?
2: <laughs> Absolutely, I'd never, never.
0: Is it ever weird for you? I, I, I know I, I talk a lot about me, Peyton, but uh, it's my favorite topic. It's I remember whenever I was new in radio and I was the young guy. Then all of a sudden, like in a blink of an eye, I looked around and I was the old guy. It's very weird, you know, for me to go from being the youngest guy in the room to the oldest. For you, has that been an odd adjustment going from being the the young up and comer? Whenever you transferred in here, and then all of a sudden you look around the room and you're like the the big dog amongst uh, amongst a handful of pups. What's that adjustment like?
2: Oh, it's cra- it, it really is crazy. I mean, I I think I it feels like just the other day I was transferring into Oklahoma. Um, it it really has gone so quickly. Um, but no, I mean, I think it just you know you just kind of you know, you feed into that, um, that, that process that the seniors, you know, before me, um, right. the legacy they left, you know, I mean, they, you know, just, just things like that. I think they just kind of, they prepare you, the older guys prepare you when you're the young one. And, uh, so when you do become the, the older, um, you know, you kind of, kind of understand, um, what's going on and kind of, you can kind of help to help the young ones out. And, um, so yeah, I think, I think the the class is above you. Um, and watching them really just kind of helps you mold into that
0: you know, there's some pretty amazing stories on this team this year. For you, you obviously, eclipsing a 1,000 career points at Oklahoma. You'd already eclipsed a 1,000 career points if you include A&M. You know, Maddie and her kind of Van Wilder approach here, where she's been in college for like six years and has a chance to come back if she wants. Uh, obviously, everything personally that Tiana's had to go through. So I'm always intrigued as well by how Gabby has overcome as well. Peyton, she had a rough stretch earlier, went to the bench, which was something that was new for her, and yet she's out there playing some of her best basketball of the season. What have you seen in Gabby that's really – keyed her turnaround
2: uh I, i've just seen G- gabby just get that that swagger back that she's that she's always played with and uh and that just that calm that calm presence that that she has as a point guard and you know i think it's it's gotten better every game in conference i feel like and um last night i mean just the pace of play that she's playing at and you know at the point guard spot you know the way she that's the tone and the the pace of pace of play kind of you know obviously runs throughout the whole team. and so um, yeah, she's just just her confidence has just you know gotten grown each game and she she believes in herself and we believe in her as a as a teammate and um yeah, she was she was great last night. It'll be a big one on Sunday afternoon as
0: Oklahoma takes on nationally ranked highly nationally ranked top two in the country, Baylor. that's going to be a huge game for Oklahoma to try to jump towards the top of the standings in the Big 12. They're there. There's Maybe one big win on Sunday night at 5.30 on ESPN2. And look out for OU and Baylor. Well, I I can't thank you guys enough for downloading and always supporting the Sooner Sports Podcast. It's going to be a wild week next week because we'll have a complete signing day recap next Thursday. But on the Monday podcast, the game plan, Brandon Meyer is going to join us to give us some of his perspective on this year's signing class. We'll try to catch up with Ryan Broyles. He's going to be on our coverage on Sooner Sports TV. And we'll start to hear from some of the young guys that have already showed up on campus, 11 early enrollees. You can learn more about them online right now at Soonersports.com. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for supporting the Sooner Sports Podcast. And until Monday morning the Monday Morning Refresher. Everyone have a great weekend and Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes
1: online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OUOnTheAir.